Welcome to Intuitive Seek. My name is Mary Treen, and every week I aim to bring you a grounded approach to all things intuition. Through personal stories, experiences, and practices, offering energetic reflections to help you discover, connect, and fully realize how your unique power of intuition is your own greatest teacher. Hello and welcome. Welcome back to Intuitive Seek. This is episode seven already, which is amazing to me that it's flown by this quickly. And it's May. It is May 2021. And to me, that feels like it came up incredibly fast. But for you, how does it feel if you were to take a moment, whether you're walking or driving or commuting or doing laundry, if you can just take a minute, three seconds, <laughs> and really feel into the present moment, feel into the temperature of the room you're in, or if you're outside, does it feel cool to your skin? Or is it a little bit warm? Can you feel your body? Can you feel your heart beating? Can you connect to your heart? Or maybe even just put a thumb on the inside of your wrist and feel your pulse. Can you breathe fully through your nose, into your belly, and allow yourself to have a full exhale? Allow yourself to breathe in this present moment. And I say this because for me, I know that when we get closer to the middle of the year, when there are obvious markers for time passing, like we are welcoming in spring in the Northern Hemisphere and the Southern Hemisphere is welcoming in autumn. And what happens for me, and I found for others too, that when we have those obvious markers of time, it can really take us out of the present moment. We can become preoccupied with where we're going, what we're doing, what we hope for, where we want to be. And on the other side, we can have a lot of regrets of what we didn't do or what didn't happen. Or maybe grief over something that we've lost. And it could be small or something big. But when we... When we come to those times, there can be a lot of anxiety that comes with realizing that a certain amount of time has passed and you only have a certain amount of time left in the year. And we put so much weight on time, which makes sense because we all live in it, regardless of time zones. We are all... Our lives are dictated by time. 
But in the present moment, they're kind of, in a way, there is no time. It reminds me of that famous quote where it says, if you are feeling depressed, you are living in your past. If you are feeling anxious, you are living in your future. And if you're feeling content, you're living in your present. And for a long time, that quote actually didn't make a lot of sense to me because I was living a life so disconnected from my intuition and from my authentic self, really unaligned, as you've heard so far, that whenever I heard that quote, which I heard it quite a bit, so now even thinking back to it, that must have been a real, you know, sign for me to pay attention to (laughs) that if this quote is so famous, it's probably true. And if you're not content in the present moment, then what are we doing? But I wasn't. And so I would get really frustrated or annoyed by that quote. But looking at it now, which is also kind of hilarious that I'm talking about being in the present moment by looking back, but you know, I mean, most of this podcast is about my experiences and how can I talk about those without going into the past? But the reason that I'm bringing that up is because if you heard me say that quote and it annoyed you a little bit because you don't want to look at your present because it's annoying you or you're not where you want to be, that still means that you are not in the present. And that is what I didn't understand. That when you are being asked to focus on your present, and there may be quite a bit about your present that you're not 100% happy with, or even 20% happy with, that could mean that you are comparing where you are today, right now, to a past that doesn't exist anymore or to a future that doesn't exist yet or to some alternate reality that you have kind of made up in your head that your present is just not living up to. I know I did that. And it kept me, by doing that, it kept me in a loop of of never knowing exactly what direction to take to get me out of the place where I was, to move on, to step into a life that I wanted to live. Because by, you know, ping-ponging from the future to the past, to the future, to the past, to the fake future, to the fake past, to (laughs) what could have been, to what hasn't been yet, to what could be happening right now, but it hasn't, happened because I haven't made the right choices, like that real anxiety loop in my head that happened a lot. That made my world so small. And that really reminds me of the first time I went to a float tank. I don't know if any of you have tried that before, but it was kind of out of my character to try it. It was 
quite a few years ago and I was slowly, it was touch and go kind of reconnecting to my intuition, which what I mean by that is I kept having kind of clarity that I was not living, you know, my everyday life. I was not in the career that I wanted. And I knew there was something else that I should be doing. But it was so hard for me to stay in the present that the clarity I would receive would show me that I wasn't living the way I was supposed to. And so that would kind of plunge me into quite a depth of darkness, for lack of a better word. And I would get a little bit paralyzed because that is what happens. I found kind of at the beginning of reconnecting to our intuition, when you get those glimpses of, oh no, this is not what I should be doing, but you don't have enough clarity to know what you should be doing. Because the annoying part is that to be able to get that clarity on the other side, you have to, or we have to, kind of confront all of the reasons why we haven't been allowing ourselves to be conscious of what we really need, like what kind of life we deserve to be living to actually enjoy it, to have that contentment in the present moment. But every time I would have that little bit of clarity, I would be confronted by all of the, you know, unaligned, inauthentic, you know, any of those words. I would be confronted with all of those feelings that I had. So I would kind of jump back away from it and not want to because it felt bad. It didn't feel good. It didn't feel like I would be able to find the answers in there. It felt like more confusion because it was a lot of, a lot of feelings and a lot of um, things that I didn't want to, or hadn't looked at in a really long time, if ever, you know, there's like a psychological term that you may have heard more where you have to unpack, you have to unpack the things that are simmering or waiting or holding or keeping us from finding the things that we really need to figure out. And these are things that can really hold us back from finding our purpose, finding that clarity in what we are meant to be doing. These are, you know, limiting beliefs, things that we believe about ourselves that cause us to not do the thing that we're actually meant to do. And because I didn't understand that piece, every time that I went to try to meditate or kind of get those glimpses of my present moment, like to really be in the present, it would be very uncomfortable because I hadn't, you know, said hello to myself, to my true self in so long for, you know, a length of time. And I couldn't, and it's kind of amazing now because I, I love to meditate now. It is so important for me to do, but then it was almost impossible. I tried so many different ones on YouTube. I would try, 
you know, just putting music on and just focusing on my breath. But my, I would always lose the moment. I would, I would lose it. And then I would start to feel bad about myself. And oh my gosh, I can't even meditate. Like what is happening? <laughs> like all the things. And this was a few years before I found Reiki again and started training, but it was a similar intuitive feeling about the float tanks where my intuition was really calling to me to try it. I would be hearing about it on podcasts or on TV, or I would just be in line at the store and I would hear somebody speak about it, or I would see, you know, a little picture of it on when I was on the internet and it was just kind of all around. And again, it was not something I wanted to do. I was worried. These are all the worries I had about it. And this is how I feel like I should. Yeah. I feel like I should say this because this podcast is I'm aiming to be a grounded approach to all things intuition. So my worry, even though I was hearing all of these amazing things about the float tanks, the um, sensory deprivation tanks, sorry, I should have said that first, just in case you're unaware of what they are. These are isolation tanks that were created, I believe in the fifties. And it has the amount of water that you would have in like a traditional bathtub but then it has, it's enclosed. And so it is usually dark. I know sometimes like nowadays they have, even from when I did it before, they've gotten much bigger and you can have different kind of lights in it and different sensorial experiences. Um, but the ones that I did were pretty traditional. So it was a nice, a big pod that is like probably a little over maybe like seven feet long. And the water in it is the same temperature as your body. So you're not really supposed to be able to differentiate between your body and the water around you. And then they fill the water in the pod with enough Epsom salts, which is really magnesium. So enough Epsom salt to create a floating effect like the Dead Sea. So you have this kind of anti-gravity, like you're floating, but you're not really aware that you're floating because the water is the same temperature as your skin. It really creates like, I guess, like a womb effect, something we've all experienced and don't, and most likely don't really have a memory of it, but it feels really good. It takes away, for me, all of the, all of the outside world, all of the things, all of the people, all of those distractions. And it's interesting because when I started doing it, I would mention it to some people that I knew and a few people would be really interested in it. Most of the people I knew, though, would say that they hated that idea, that it was terrifying, that it would feel like they were in a coffin. And that's actually was the surprising part to me, because that is one piece that I never thought of, because when I was in there, I felt very alive, more than I had ever 
really felt in a very long time. So the first time I went, I remember it was after Christmas and I kept feeling intuitively that I need to be doing this. Now at the time, I didn't really understand that it was my intuition calling it to me. I just thought that I couldn't get it out of my head. So that must mean something where really it was in my body. But, uh, yeah, it was after Christmas and I remember thinking, I can't start another new year without figuring something out, like without knowing, like, what am I supposed to be doing? Like I was, I was dying to find my purpose. It was always on my mind, but I didn't know how. And anytime I got a glimpse of that present moment, like I said, it would be really hard to deal with and it would cause me more confusion. So then I just didn't know what to do. And it's true. My brain, my mind did not know what to do, but my emotional body did. My intuition did. So after many, many hours over many months of research, I finally, I finally booked a float. I finally did it. And, and I wanted to say that because I feel like we don't hear enough about that, that for the people out there like me who really need to learn about something a lot before finally doing it, that's okay. We're all on our own time. There is no right way to do it as long as you're following the right way for yourself. And for me at that time, I needed to really research it because I, I was aware that sometimes these kind of new age techniques like an isolation tank can be a door that opens to maybe a community that is not as supportive, maybe a cult, you know, maybe something that pulls you in and makes you feel great, but strips away your identity and anything that is authentically you. I was worried about that with the float tank. And that's why the grounded approach is so important to me with um, anything spiritual, anything intuitive, anything regarding intuition, because it's not about finding the answer, like I've said, from somebody else outside of yourself. It should always feel like, oh, like, like coming, coming home. There's a, you know, a cliche of coming home to yourself, but it's a cliche for a reason because I believe it's the truth. As long as you feel calm and comfortable with your decisions and you're not losing yourself in something else. Actually, just saying that my corporate career was kind of a cult. But more metaphorically, of course, because um, nobody was forcing me to be there. But there were consequences for trying to leave. And I know that is definitely a telltale sign of a cult. So it's interesting. Something to think about. Okay. But yeah, if you find that there's something that you're doing, <laughs> public service announcement, if you find that you have joined a group or involved in a community of people where they're very judgmental of ways of doing things and that they have a very specific way of 
doing things that you need to follow. And if you don't, then you get chastised or, oh, isn't that funny? I can't remember the word for not rewarded. Well, that's positive that I can't even think of the word for not being rewarded. Punished, punished. Okay. That that's the word punished. So if you, yeah, if you are feeling like something isn't right, always trust that. I think in, especially now with a lot of social media offering certain takes, it's important to really listen to yourself on those takes and make sure that they align with your values and your beliefs and reality. So I definitely had worries and a little bit of anxiety about going to my first flotation tank, but those were always, those always came after the initial, like, I need to do this. I want to do this. So that's why I trusted it. It felt like the right thing, even though my mind was telling me all the reasons why I probably shouldn't do it or why I wouldn't enjoy it. But I did, I went and it was a really unbelievable experience for me. It was one of the first times that I had quieted my mind in forever. It felt like, and I was in there for two hours, but it felt like 30 minutes. It went by so quickly, but so much happened. And at that time, because I was, you know, in and out of reconnecting to my intuition, like really, like I said before, going through those ebbs and flows, I wasn't as in touch with my emotions. I did not cry very easily unless I was watching like a sad movie or something heartwarming. Or if I was so stressed out that I would get to a point where I would just, you know, burst into tears because I didn't know how to handle the feelings of stress that I was going through. And I say this because when I got into the tank and it was dark and they asked, they were like, oh, do you want a little bit of music? But I heard the music and it was kind of your traditional like spa, relaxing, toned music. I, I didn't want it for some reason. And, and this is another thing that we have to remember that to go with that first instinct, even if we don't really understand why. So I said, no, and I'm glad I didn't because I, I think that it would have been really distracting and I would have started to focus on the music more than focusing on how I was feeling because what the deprivation tank does, the sensory deprivation tank, is it deprives you of sensory, sensorial experiences where you don't even feel the difference in temperature on your skin. Like how at the beginning of this episode, I said to stay in the present, you know, like, can you feel right now? Is it cool on your skin or is it warm? But with the flow tank, it brings you into such a deeper meditative state so quickly that all of the sudden I was not in my mind anymore. Like it snapped me very quickly into my body. And this is the part that 
was shocking to me is after about maybe 10 minutes of kind of floating there in the dark, in this, you know, Epsom salt intensely filled with Epsom salt bath, I just started to cry. And not just cry, I started to bawl. And I'm feeling even a little bit embarrassed saying that, even now, when I know that crying is so important to us and so healing in such a a gift that we have in our body as a way of emotionally releasing. But I was crying. And I remember the most amazing part about being so present in my body was I wasn't judging myself for the crying. I was actually kind of in awe. Like I can really remember the feeling of just being amazed that I had been kind of cracked open so quickly just by finally communing with myself. It's like we hadn't, (laughs) me and myself and I, we hadn't been together in so many years that it was almost like, you know, when at the beginning of Love Actually, that movie, or if you're just in an airport and you see people saying hello and goodbye, it was like that. It was like, I was meeting myself in the airport and I hadn't seen myself for a very long time. And it was just emotional and it was really beautiful. And it was a release that I needed so badly and I didn't judge it. And that's when I knew that is the time when I knew what being present really was. And I needed a flotation tank to kind of get me there. Maybe you can do this with meditation. And there's many other ways to do it. But for me, that helped me really meet myself for the first time. And it was a relief. It felt like the beginning, the true beginning of moving through all of that resistance to get to that clarity that I needed to be able to follow my purpose. But that wasn't the most amazing part. One of the most amazing parts was that it was two hours, but it felt like less than 30 minutes. So in this flotation tank, time did not exist in the way that I was used to. And that was really remarkable because I don't feel like I fell asleep. It was really in that, that soft, beautiful, deep meditative state. <laughs> so, so I'll set the scene again. I'm in the flotation tank. I am crying, not uncontrollably, but just crying. Like I wasn't even trying to control it. So maybe it was uncontrollably, but I was just, you know, letting those tears flow. And that actually reminds me of an Eckhart Tolle quote where he says, when you become aware of silence, immediately there is that inner still 
alertness. You are present. You have stepped out of thousands of years of collective human conditioning. And maybe that's where those tears were coming from. Maybe it really was that collective human conditioning that I was releasing, finally. A little bit, at least. And I was in that dream-like meditative state that not really sleeping, but not really fully awake. And there was like a flash. It was interesting. It was as if there was like a tiny camera right in front of my eyes that gave off a giant flash, but it kind of like jolted me and woke me up. So I don't know if you've ever had those kind of in-between dreams where your body moves really quickly, where you're jolted awake, but it feels very visceral and very real of what whatever just kind of transpired with your brain. And that's what ha- that's how I kind of, that's how the float ended. It was really interesting. <laughs> it was like, it was quite an experience, but I feel, I feel like the, the memory of that, that kind of dreamlike flash, that light that I saw was too like a book end this experience for myself. Like it really felt like, okay, you know, take a picture of this. Remember this. This is a turning point. Like stop turning away from your truth. Stop turning away from what you really want. Stop turning away from your intuition. Stop turning away from your pain. And I say that because when I got out of the float tank and you shower off because you're covered in all of this Epsom salt, I was just very matter-of-factly, you know, washing my hair. And I said to myself, wow, I'm in a lot of pain. I have a lot of pain. And it wasn't exasperated. It wasn't, it didn't feel sad. It didn't feel the way I would think when I say that now back to you. It was just a true awareness. I had that, that alertness. I was present and I realized that I was holding on to a lot of pain that needed to be looked at and it needed to go through a, a healing so that I could really come back to wholeness again, which is what healing means. Doesn't mean that we are broken or separated. It just means that we have forgotten how whole we are and we perceive ourselves as broken or separated. And I really, in that moment, now looking back at it, that is when my world started to become much bigger, where my eyes became kind of open again, where I wasn't looking at myself in such a small way in my world in such a small way. My world was not small. I was looking at my world in a small way. It was big. It is big. 
there's so much available that we do not take advantage of. Wow, and that really reminds me of a line that stood out from the new season of The Handmaid's Tale. And it was that pain makes everything so small. And it really stood out to me. And now that really makes sense that, you know, not staying in the present made my world so small. And pain makes everything so small. And not being in the present is a type of pain. Because if we are able to connect to the true present, that stillness, we're able to connect to our intuition. We're grounded. We are seeing the truth in ourselves. And even if there is pain there, we're moving through it. So it's not stuck. It's not constant. There will be that light on the other side. And I know that because I have experienced it. And I know that there will be light on the other side because I have seen it over and over again with my clients. And it is beautiful. And I can say very confidently that your innate gifts and your calling, your purpose is also on the other side of that. And that is another example of why it is so worth it to prioritize yourself and focus in and look for what your real needs are so that you can heal and bring yourself whole again. Or remember that you are whole already. And when you do that, your world will never be small again. And from my experience, your world will just get bigger and bigger and bigger, as big as you need it to be to fully realize your purpose. So thank you so much for listening to this episode number seven of Intuitive Seek. Please reach out to me with any questions or if you want to share anything that may have come up for you during this episode, you can follow and message me on my Instagram at treenlight, T-R-E-E-N-L-I-G-H-T, or email me at hellotreenlight at gmail.com. You can also check out my website, treenlight.com, where you can book a complimentary clarity session with me to get really clear on your needs and how I can support you. They are one of my favorite things to do. And if you feel called, leave a five-star review on iTunes. That's the only amount of stars they care about. And it really helps other people find this podcast. And that's kind of, that kind of support is incredibly generous. So if you feel called, thank you very, very much. And thank you again for taking the time to listen. Be kind to yourself and I'll talk to you next week.